Good morning, everyone. Um, would you join me as I pray for my sister Elaine? Father God, we thank you so much for um, all that you have uh, taught us during this study. And we pray this morning for Elaine as she wraps things up for us from the book of Second Samuel, that you would give her um, just clarity in the way she speaks and that you would use this um, talk that she's prepared to encourage our hearts, to point us to Jesus and uh, to just cause us to rejoice in all that you have done in David's life um, in the past and in our lives as we uh, go through our time on this earth as well. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to us during this study. And uh, again, we pray that you would be with Elaine as she presents this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now this has to go on you somehow. Yep, like maybe right there. Yeah, is that good? I can't see. Sorry. There it is. Okay. Is that going to be good, do you think? Okay. Is it on already? Yeah, it's green. <laughs> good morning, everybody. Second uh, Samuel 24 is divided into three sections. Verses 1 to 9, the census. 10 to 17, judgment, and 18 to 25, the altar. The last four chapters of 2 Samuel may not be in chronological order. The writer, who is unknown, is putting the material in a way he thinks is best. We find the census was ordered by God in verse 1. Again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he incited David against them, saying, Go number Israel and Judah. There is no explanation for a census, nor is there an explanation for when. The Westminster Confession helps us when it writes, Not all things in Scripture are equally plain in themselves or equally clear. In verse 3, Joab questions King David why he wants to do the census. And in verse 4, King David overrules Joab and the army commanders, and they went out to number the people of Israel. When Joab and his commanders had gone through all the land, they came to Jerusalem at the end of nine months and 20 days. Joab gave the numbers of the people to the king. In Israel, there were 800,000 valiant men, and in Judah, there were 500,000. King David had imagined the census would bring pleasure, but instead it brought pain and God's wrath. Seeking to intervene, on behalf of his people, David built an altar, offered sacrifices, and asked that he alone would bear the punishment. While much remains unexplained in this passage, Alistair Begg points out that God's sovereign plan is revealed in his mercy, as well as his wrath. Ultimately, only Jesus' intervention can save us from ourselves, our sin, and God's wrath. In verse 10, we see David is conscience-stricken after counting the fighting men. He went in prayer to the Lord to confess his sins and begs the Lord to take away his guilt. Early the next morning, the word of the Lord has come to Gad the prophet. Gad's message to David is, Shall there be three years of famine in your land, or three months of fleeing from your enemies while they pursue you, or three days of the plague in your land. Gad advises David to think it over and decide. David is in deep distress, and he asks to fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great, 
Do not let me fall into human hands. The Lord sends a plague on Israel from that morning until the end of the time designated. 70,000 people from Dan to Beersheba died. When the angel stretched out his hand to destroy Jerusalem, the Lord relented and says to the angel, Enough, withdraw your hand. The angel was then at the threshing floor of Arana the Jebusite. When David sees the angel, he confesses to the Lord and asks that God's hand fall on himself and his family. On that day, Gad went to David and said, Go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arana the Jebusite. So David went up with the with I'm sorry. David went up with his officials as the Lord had commanded through Gad. David meets with Arana and requests of him to buy his threshing floor so David can build an altar to the Lord and that the plague can be stopped. Arana offers to David oxen for the burnt offering, threshing sledges and yokes for the wood. Arana offers all this to the king. May the Lord God accept you. But David replies, no, I insist on paying you for it. For I will not make a sacrifice to the Lord my God, burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen and pays 50 shekels of silver for them. David built an altar there and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings to the Lord. Reconciliation and restoration of covenant fellowship were obtained by the Lord's repentance, prayers, and the offering of sacrifices. The Lord answered his prayer in behalf of the land, and the plague on Israel was stopped. Tim Chester states, the plague stops because of sacrifice. 70,000 people have died. More people deserve to die, but instead an animal dies in their place. It's still bloody and it's still brutal, but it's an animal dying in the place of the people. This is God's mercy. Tim Chester also shares how significant the the threshing floor of Arana was, the very spot where 1,000 years earlier, Abraham had offered his son Isaac, but God provided a ram as a substitute. Also, the place where Solomon built the temple, it was a spot that became the central and permanent place of sacrifices and where the Israelites could find atonement with God. 1,000 years later, Jesus says in John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus is the sacrifice to which all the other sacrifices of history have pointed. He is the one who died in our place. This happened on Mount Moriah at the threshing floor of Arana near the Temple of Solomon as Jesus hung on the cross. We are drawing near to the end of David's reign and his life. He was a brave warrior from the time he was a young boy. He was not going to stand by and let Goliath insult his heavenly father or his nation. The Lord gave David courage and strength to use his slingshot and killed Goliath. Besides being a warrior and a king of Israel, he wrote so many beautiful psalms. My husband Paul and I were born and raised in the Chicago area. Our parents were members of Christian Reformed churches of Dutch origins. We both grew up singing every Sunday from the Psalter hymnal. 
a good number of David's psalms were put to music, and it gave me such a love for the psalms. We would also sing each week in Sunday school, and then as teens in our youth groups, where we would also sing psalms and praise songs. One of my favorite psalms and song is from David, and it is Psalm 51, 10 to 12. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and renew a right spirit within me. My NIV Bible states that this psalm was written by David when Nathan the prophet came to him after David had been with Bathsheba. Tim Chester reminds us that David truly grieves his sin, and we too need to grieve our sins, and God forgives. Fall into the hands of God, for his mercy is great. I would strongly recommend that you read 1 Kings chapter 1 and 2, if you haven't already. I know when I came to the end of 2 Samuel, I wondered, where's David? What happened to him? We got to find him. So we find out in 1 Kings 1 and 2. The beginning of 1 Kings 1 tells of David's aging as he was described as being very old and his health was failing. We then hear about one of David's sons, Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith. Adonijah desires to take upon himself to be claimed king. A big part of the problem here is that over the years, King David did not rebuke Adonijah or his other children. We are all aware of the importance of loving our children and also training, discipling, and disciplining them. We all know Bible verses that the Lord encourages and actually requires us to do, as in Proverbs 29, 17. Discipline your son or daughter, and he will give you rest. He will delight, he will give delight to your heart. Another passage I appreciate is Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. We all know that it is also important to have family devotions together using the Bible and age-appropriate Bible storybooks. As parents and grandparents, we need to pray, discuss, read Christian books, and delight in sharing these with any young ones we know and love. Also, be sure to be a part of education classes for parenting as they're available through our church. They do a great job. Adonijah confirms confers with Joab and Abiathar, the priest, and they both give their support to Adonijah becoming king. Adonijah makes big plans, sacrifices many animals, such as sheep, cattle, and fattened calves to celebrate his kingship. He then invited many royal officials, but did not invite his brother Solomon, who was meant to be the king. But Zadok the priest, Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, and Nathan the prophet did not follow or support Adonijah, becoming the next king. Zadok, Benaiah, and Nathan meet with King David, and David then arranges for Solomon to quickly be anointed the king. Second Samuel has been a challenging year of study, and how we too need to keep trusting in the Lord, confessing our sins, and keep coming back to Jesus. I want to end with a couple of Bible verses 
with wrote written in Psalm 13, 5 and 6. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Shall we pray? Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. What a blessing to read it, to study it, and to be able to grow through it. We thank you for sending Jesus, who died for our sins and rose from the dead, and is seated with you in heaven. I thank you for all the teachers this year who have studied, prayed with, and for us, and for all that we have learned. What a good gift, Lord. Please bless the small group time together now this morning, Lord. Amen.